It's Kitchen Table Spirituality, an evening devotional. I'm sitting here in my office with the windows open, the birds singing, and looking at the lovely face of Charlie Eastman, who is the pastor of the Southboro <laughs> Congregational Church. And I am Pastor Charlie Eastman, sitting here in my basement with no sunlight, no windows, and artificial light uh, shining back at me, gazing at the lovely head, <laughs> newly shorn, of Reverend Jonathan Malone of First Baptist Church in East Greenwich, Rhode Island. I do have to add Is it Pilgrim um, the Church? word pilgrim ah, to my I forgot church. the pilgrim. Mark. That's I, okay. I was, it's a recent change. I was progressing know. so well. You were. And yet lost the It was pilgrim. still a lovely introduction, and I thank you. Oh, you're welcome. And it, yeah. it allowed me to say pilgrim multiple times. Pilgrim right. Church, Pilgrim Church in Southboro, pilgrim. Right, and, well, and, and P is one of those letters that uh, I love when I'm editing because they mm. don't explode at all on the... Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Just turn your head sideways, everything. Right, we're right. talking about our plosive P's, folks, if right. you're wondering what we're... Well, Charlie, it, it's good to see you. How have you been this week? I've been okay. Yeah? Yeah. All right. It's been an okay week. Um, certain. Okay. I've got a couple projects running right now that I'm struggling to finish, and I just need to get them done. So it's mm. one of those weeks. Uh, but other than that, things are all right. Pilgrim Church is uh, wrapping up soon, our Backpack Angels program. Yeah, how'd that um, go? The, the laptops are fully funded. In Fantastic. fact, we've, we've gotten a hundred and... What's the exact amount? We, we have such a higher percentage of cash devoted to that than we needed. Hmm. Um, and now we're still collecting backpacks and supplies, but it's going great guns. Um, we are reflecting on outdoor worship, mm-hmm. and it looks like we're ready to make some recommendations to the deacons about that, which is exciting. Yeah. Um, and uh, what else? I think that's that's all the main news we need right now. That's all in right. In terms of what's happening. How about East Greenwich? East Greenwich is moving along well. We're, you know, we are, are now in summer mode, so... Our, our uh, people are coming to yes. worship, and so it's about, yeah. you know, it's still less than usual, uh, mm-hmm. and everyone's wearing their masks and sitting apart, and, and that's going okay, and then we still have people online, which is, which is really good. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned outdoor worship. That reminds me, we have one planned for the 26th of July. It's not too Excellent. soon to remind people about that. We'll go to the Fry Farm. Uh, oh, fun. member of our congregation, that's their farm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a, it's it's always nice to do outdoor worship. It always, it feels different. You're able to experience God differently. Do your liturgy differently. Everything's different. Yeah. Do they do they have pigs at Fry Farm? Uh, no. I just no. love pigs. Yeah. Well, I just love. Them. I, well, you know, they're, they're made entirely of bacon. They are made entirely of bacon. Uh, that's I always have one just to munch on in my ah, office. Good to know. Stand still. <laughs> yeah. Quit moving. Yeah. I just no. take a little bit of the tail. Oh, oh my! I love. I actually love pigs. Pigs are really fun to interact with. Are they? In spite of being made of bacon. Yeah, yeah. They have. Uh, remember taking the kids to Audubon Farm, and uh, they loved talking to the pigs and wow. interacting with them. Anyway, I you know we, I, uh, we should probably move on. Yeah, I don't have that. I don't have that experience with pigs, so I can't. You don't really have that relationship. I, to your I food. don't have a no. No, mm. I I don't. Um, okay, but you know who? Um, you know where there's a lot of farming. Where's that? In Kentucky. Oh, there is a lot of farming. Not, a, not only a lot of farming, but a lot of Catholic monks, too. And not many people realize that. There are a lot of farms and Catholic monks in Kentucky. Yeah. They are not necessarily one and the same. Although some could be. We, we can't say right, conclusively right. right now. Yeah. I'm sure some Catholic monks are fantastic farmers. Yeah. Why not? They brew great beer. Why shouldn't they farm? Right. You know what? Catholics, 
go back to your roots. But but I wonder if Thomas Merton ever farmed. <laughs> Good. Thank you for picking back up my segue that mm-hmm. I tried, and then I just veered way off again. Well, you know. Uh, yeah, so Thomas Merton. Tommy, as I like to call him. Oh, do you? <laughs> I, don't, I don't like to call him that. I call him Thomas. Hey, um... Brother Tom. Brother Tom. Was he part of... Uh, oh, I've just looked at the back. He was a Trappist monk. Okay. Yes. I was... Trappist. I was, they do make ale. They do. Yeah, I was trying to talk Some. about him in the worship service on Sunday, and I forgot, and I said, mm-hmm. maybe he's Dominican? Oh. Maybe yeah, Jesuit? Very, this is a very different order from Dominican. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know much about the Trappist order. I'll look at him up and find out some stuff to share for next week. Next week, good. Yeah, we don't want Trappist wanna... update. So we're so for folks, if this is your so first next time, week, you'll be you'll be the Trappist keeper. I'll be the. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna have a, 80s reference. I'm going to have a unicorn with a rainbow on the front. You bet you will. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, and then you open All it right. up and you'll see who I love. I'm going to just write it again this and again is, on the inside. This is... <laughs> I'm glad we're entertaining ourselves. Apologies to anyone who's still yeah. listening. So we're going to get into this book. If, you, if this is your first time ever listening to this kitchen table spirituality, it's good to have we're you. Sorry, welcome. I mean, yes, no. it's good to have you. I don't apologize for my humor. I never. Well, sometimes I do, but I won't this you time. You are a dad. We're we're working through the book "Thoughts in Solitude" by Thomas mm. Merton, and uh, for this week we're reading the first sixteen chapters. Um, so we're going to talk about that. And one of the things, though, before we even talk about the specifics of those chapters, is this is a book that doesn't have some of the basic rules of, of narrative that your English teacher <laughs> may, may be suggesting. Good point, Jonathan. And, it yeah, doesn't it, flow chapter to chapter. It's right, not meant to be that kind of there, work. Yeah, we don't have any conflict. We don't meet the main mm-hmm. characters. Um, this, but I would just say... I would they don't say, go on a journey... No, no. Um, it's a devotional. It really is a devotional book. Uh, but I, I found that very refreshing. Uh, you know, I went into it thinking maybe Merton is leading us on, you know, on a journey, but instead he is giving us thoughts. But then again, who knows by the end we may be in a place where we weren't anticipating. I, I've never read it before, so you're getting my first impression. Uh, but, yeah, it, it really does have this devotional feel, which... I would recommend to people, if you keep reading this, take a little bit each day and, and fold it into your prayer life. Yes, you know, that is let, the right way to read this book. This book is not... I, I, I was telling Jonathan before we started recording that I made the mistake of going back. I had read two chapters a day dutifully to get mm-hmm. to this moment, and then last night, like a ninny, I went and read the whole thing again, just to mm. just to look at the notes I'd taken and get ready to to reflect. That's that's the kind of podcast host I am. I I do the work, folks. Yeah. So a, as a result, I <laughs> was completely discombobulated because I kept <laughs> saying, "Wait a minute, how come we're not calling back to the previous chapters?" Which be, be, when I've read it in the past, I've only read little, little bits at a time. And I would go so far to say as don't read even the two chapters together in a day mm. if you're reading the two chapters a day with us. Read one in the morning and yeah. one at night, and let them be two completely different experiences. It, it, they're quick reads, truly. Yeah, they really but are. But the, the mistake you can make is the one I made, and don't, don't seek out an internal logic throughout the work that's not there. Just each meditation is a meditation, and let mm. it rest in that. 
Although, if I may, Charlie. Please do. I, I don't know if there will be an internal logic. So I, one, of the, one of the practices I always take, or I try to take when I start reading something, mm-hmm. um, is really bringing a lot of trust to the author. So part of it is I'm going to trust that the author has something worthwhile to say and is going to lead me through that. And if the first couple of chapters feel off or I'm having a hard time really picking up on stuff, I'm going to trust that this author knows what they're doing and it's going to be okay. I'm also getting used to their voice. So, I'm, you know, a lot of, sure. you know, I'm saying I need to understand the way they're speaking and such. So maybe, again, you've read this before, I think, right? Yes, I have. So you know, uh, I don't. So oh, I'm, I know. Still... I know exactly where we're going, and I'm not telling you because oh, you know, let everyone so, experience your revelation when you get there. It'll be fun, but it, yeah, may... it is. It's fun already, but yeah, yeah right. We're, we're having a great time here. We're laughing. We're joking. We're we're having a ball. <laughs> Whenever someone keeps telling you how much fun you're having, you you know always... you're maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I would say, as you read this, trust that Merton knows what he's doing. Oh, um, he does. He, yeah, yeah. He does. and and I think Charlie, you're you're dead on to take take a little bit in the morning, a little bit in the evening, and mm-hmm. and let let Merton's wisdom shape your devotional life throughout this month. So I agree. One of the things that that really jumped out to me, I'm going to see if I can find it, is is this idea about uh, desire. Hmm. Um, I don't know if I can find it or not. I didn't put tabs on my book. Maybe I will next time. Uh, but he really talked about trying to get let go of, of desire or having your desire completely with God. Did you, do you remember mm-hmm. that part? Um, I oh, I do, found it. Uh, good, because I can't it's quote the, you chapter and verse. And I read yeah. on a Kindle, so... Oh, okay, so it's the beginning it's of even, chapter 12. Um, okay. And he says, to unify your life... Unify your desires. To spiritualize your life, spiritualize your desires. To spiritualize your desires, desire to be without desire. I highlighted that too. Yeah, that's uh, that, that end. Desire to be without desire. Mm. It, you know what I, I, it made me think about? is Buddhism. Of course, yeah, Zen of Buddhism course. specifically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the source of all suffering is desire. The way it to... is. Yeah, and but Merton was is, a yeah. was an unrepentant uh, co meditator with other voices in meditation. Right. So he he interacted with other folks in other faiths uh, and and in no faiths sometimes hmm. um, to to talk about the quality of meditation and how meditation should be done, and so. If if you knew that going into this, you wouldn't be surprised by this, um, but but his um, that yeah that from the from the first in the first chapter where it talks about unreality and reality, um, yeah. you you really get the sense that he is he is trying to get us to a pure philosophical point of mm. understanding how we are owned by our 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 things, by our desires, by our drives, by our... And until we can see the reality for what they are and get beyond right. them, we can't reach the, the spiritual heights that he hopes for us as his readers. So this right. is right in that vein. And, and this is a... It, what, what I find so interesting is that there's a strong part of, of Christianity, especially Catholicism, that says desire is a good thing, 
um, when desire is focused towards God. It, mm-hmm. And I believe Merton hints towards that in other places in this book. Uh, he and, he does know, in his... Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I, and, and I'm, in the back of my mind is always that uh, famous quote that's attributed to Augustine. I think it's... A, no, it is from Augustine, from his Confessions, where he says, my heart is restless until it finds rest with, with you. Yeah. Um, saying that I desire to be with God so much, and my heart continues to yearn for that. Yeah. So... I mean that's a part that's in the background, but Merton really seems to be pushing to go to a, a whole nother place um, with one sense I think of he spirituality. Is. Yeah, continuing on in chapter twelve, there's this hmm. quote on the next page: "By renouncing the world, we conquer the world, rise above its multiplicity, and recapitulate it in the simplicity of a love which finds all things in God." This is what Jesus meant when he said, "Anyone who would save his life will lose it, and he who would lose his life." For the sake of God, would save it. This is um, mm. part of the part of the challenge for me. What, what I wrestle with this book a little bit with is this idea that um, meditation. Like I have to keep reminding myself, he has submitted himself to the strictures mm. of a Catholic order and monastic life, and so by yeah. nature, his discourse on meditation is prescriptive. It is mm. very much this is the right path, and I want this path for you. Whereas mm-hmm. when you interact with other teachers of meditation, think Thich Nhat Hanh or, or, or others, the focus is always more whimsical, like, oh, you find your way. You hmm. do it your way, and your way will be just fine. And when you struggle against your way, you get in trouble, that, that kind of thing. So right, Merton right. is not about that. Merton is very much... Uh, 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 prescriptive and, and even a little dogmatic sometimes in his Christian approach to how you should meditate. And that hasn't mm-hmm. been my experience of meditation. So I, right. that's, that's part of my, my dialogue and wrestling with this book. Is, is yeah, the so you find yourself rubbing up against that sometimes? Yep, but, but it kind of... Um, I'm paging forward in the chapters to find the part where he talks about... Yeah. So in chapter 13, the very next chapter, yeah. um, he talks about who's poor and, and who, right. who's, what, what really being poor is, who's the poorest one. And he right. says, we with our vow, talking about the monastic vow, we are content with the fact that we legally possess nothing and that for everything we have, we must ask someone else's permission. So to make a vow of poverty and never go without anything, never having to need something without getting it, is to try to mock the living God. He says you have to, to get to the poorest of the poor, you have to actually right. be in a position like he's in, which means you have to ask permission for the things right. that you have. Like he's, he's not allowed to say, I, I need a computer, get it for me. He has to go and ask the, the bishop's permission to own a computer right? to do his work. Yeah. There, so, I, you know, and that seems to be, I, I felt like the issue, that part on poverty went all the way back to the very beginning of, of this book. Yes. Where it talked about ownership and um, the material and even the idea of temperance, um, which mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I had a little trouble working with that because I hear temperance and I think drinking. I think, sure. um, yeah. you know, the temperance movement because I'm a good Baptist and Indeed. You know, that, that's where we go. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so, if, but this idea of what are we connected with, 
Um, what is it that connects us? Um, and even like, you know, meditation, it's, it's, it's our full life. It's um, the fullness of who we are. So this idea of submission, it's, I, I, I get it, but boy, that's tough. <laughs> it's tough, and yet it's one of the fastest growing religions in the world. Which? Islam means submission. Oh. Submission to God oh. and God's principles. And uh, right. the monastic orders understand submission better than right. most Christians do. And, and in the, you know, the United States, the, right. the frontier spirit and all that other stuff that people cleave to, it's, we, we are stuck in this rugged individualistic casting of Christianity that doesn't necessarily fit with the history of Christianity. Yeah. 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 Christianity, it, it, it's not, it, it really isn't an individualistic faith tradition at all. <laughs> no, we, we reframe it that way, but no, it, it isn't. It's a community tradition. It's, uh, it's, yeah. Yeah. There's, I, I, I appreciate how it, in, in chapter nine, he's, he talks about nothingness. To know our, our to really know our nothingness, we must love it. But he says, to love our nothingness, we must love ourselves. And and, and mm. I I love you are. I don't know if I love. I'm not gonna love. I I'm grateful um, for the lack of of. Uh, he's not self-deprecating. That's even true. When he, even when he talks about sin, there isn't this sense of like, I am unworthy, I am, I am a worm. It's more, this is just a part of sin, it's just when we're separate from God. But you've got to see yourself in the way that God sees you mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and really fall into that completely. You know, that's such a, uh, so it can be so refresh, refreshing for, for many of us who come out of a Christianity where you're a sinful, horrible, worthless person, right. and what you need to do in right. your prayer is to say, "God, I'm just so bad." This is more of like, "God, I'm I'm so good, but I just I pull back from that goodness again and again when I let myself right. be distracted by these other That's things." That's right. In Merton's theology, all the possibilities are within you, and he defines early on. I don't remember which chapter right now, but he defines early on the good man and the evil man kind of dichotomy. Mm. And mm-hmm. sorry for the patristic language, but that's just how he says it. And yeah. he's, he's saying that there, when you make certain choices, you are on the path of evil. And when yeah. you make certain other choices, you're on the path of good. And jumping back to the end of chapter nine, the second paragraph from the end, it says, the humble man also loves himself and seeks to be loved and honored, not because love and honor are due to him, but because they are not due to him. He seeks mm. to be loved by the mercy of God. And this is throwing yourself yeah. on the arms of grace. That's, yeah. that's what, what, I mean, in a way, these first 16 chapters for me kind mm-hmm. of coalesce in that, in that humble man quote. Yeah. It's kind of where the, the, the core of it is for me. Yeah, to be loved by the if mercy of God. If I had to find God. a through line. Admitting that there is not one, but if I had I think to... there, I think there is one, Charlie. I'm going to be, I'm going to, this is going to be my trope for the, this whole Good. time that we're reading this If book. we agree on everything, it's just going to be dull as dishwater. You've yeah, got to who wants back. that? The, the last mm-hmm. thing we need is a podcast where you have two white guys agreeing on everything. <laughs> you know, not another one of these. Yeah. You, you wanted, you mentioned when, before we started recording, the bells. Did you want to speak to that? I definitely want to speak to the bells because the chapter lived up to its name for me. 
throughout my reading last night, I was trying to find the the through line again, trying to find the mm. unity, the internal order to the piece that would help me uh, feel more... I'm at home in narrative. I write narrative all the time. Yeah. It's my thing. So I expect, you know, I, you I love the yeah. stories of the Bible. I, I want it to tell a story. And you his book, scene. Seven... You want there to be yeah, a, a big fight. Explosion. Yeah. But his Seven Story Mountain book is the journey. It's the story. Yeah. It's the hero's journey. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so when he says, he gets to this chapter about the bells. Bells are meant to remind us that God alone is good and we belong to him and we are not living for this world. He's talking about actual, the ringing of bells. And right. bells are used in monastic life to signal shifts in the day and when we move mm-hmm. to different parts of our work. And he goes on to say, the bells say, business does not matter. Rest in God and rejoice, for this world is only the figure and the promise of a world to come, and only those who are detached from transient things can possess Mm. the substance of an eternal promise. And what are transient things, Jonathan? Transient things are all this stuff, all the other stuff. For Merton, the discussion early in the book about unreality and reality Unreality is, is all this, all the trappings, all the, the headphones, the, the right. recording interface, the books, the, the busy schedule, the, all that stuff. That's the unreality. The reality is this, is this quiet centering in our submission to God. And if you've ever been in a meditation, the, mm. usually someone rings a bell at the start of the right. meditation time, and then they mm-hmm. ring a bell at the end. And those bells are like the sweetest sounds in the world. They yeah. are the sound of a bell when you're meditating, being in silence. It's it's just like a, a transportive it takes on a whole new right. layer of meaning because it's your it's your introduction into the time of meditation, which can be very sweet, sometimes mm. challenging. And then it's your release from yeah. holding yourself in that space. And bells are just you know, also if you grew up going to school in the United States, bells have another connotation right. about the shifting of time and everything. So maybe you had something to say about bells too. Sorry. Well, I'm I think, I, well, different. I like that idea of um, how they, they break into the, the, the daily busyness. And, and one of the things uh, I appreciate that I, I connect with that is church architecture. Hmm. Uh, it, it, you know, it took me a while to kind of get my head around this, but there's something really significant about the steeples sticking out. Um, yeah. Or the ways that church buildings look odd when compared with all the other buildings around them. And, and it's really saying that sure. there is, you know, we need to remember that the divine is still around us. And we are pulled mm. up towards God in, in ways. And, yes. and the architecture itself can be a visual reminder of how, you know, a, a wake-up call, so to speak. So you have the bells ringing, the audible, the, the, you look, you see the steeple, the visual. And, and I think Merton's right. It breaks into the busyness of, of the day in, in a wonderful way. That's why part of the reason why I, I lament the newer constructions of churches where they just look like office buildings or... sure. Yeah. yeah, and I understand the, the the modernist impulse in church architecture. Like, we want to be in the world, not right. of the world, but in it. And we want to create spaces that, frankly, people who have never been to church can come into and have an actual religious and, and spiritual experience. So the assumption right. is those experiences for most younger people would happen in a stadium of some sort, not in a right. 
not in but a churchy witnesses. building. Yeah, the witnesses you're right. lost. We're, you're absolutely right. And with those steeples, blessedly, are mm. also sometimes the mechanics of an actual bell with an actual yeah. rope that you can pull. And in in previous times, before mm-hmm. we became more modernized and had speakers on poles around towns in the United States, that was the call to action. Yeah. The bell tower of the local church would be the way you would know there was a fire. It would mm-hmm. be the way you knew there was an assembly of some sort, an, an, ex, an event of national significance. It all peeled forth from the tower of your local church. Um, and now it's, yeah. it's something that we are losing in, in bits here and yeah, there. One of, one of the things it. at a previous church I served, uh, I really appreciated. They had a cemetery on the grounds. Mm. And so when we would do a funeral, as soon as the funeral was done, we would walk out of the church and walk to the grave where the body would be placed with the bell ringing. Ah, and, wow. and it, yeah, and it just Gorgeous. kept that whole feeling. And, and yeah. you know, and I get we can't do that now, but getting in the car and driving half an hour or so, and mm-hmm. you lose that connection. But with the bell ringing too, and it was almost told everyone else around us, like, this is a sacred moment. Yeah, you know, definitely. be aware of that. So yeah, I, I thought his his talking of the bells was was fantastic. It was great. It was a nice place to end, and that is where we ended for this time. And next yeah. next week it's seventeen to thirty two, right? Yep. Now some editions they don't have the chapters. The chapters are numbered differently. I noticed that. Oops. Um, so Uh-oh. just that's okay. Just make sure you count out the the next is it next 16, sixteen more chapters? chapters. Yeah, yeah, good. My math is not that quick. So just count out. So 16 either chapters. your edition is 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 like mine, or yours is wrong. Sorry, I was trying to do it the Merton way. Yeah, that was the Merton way to meditation. That's that's good. Yeah, you know what though? Um, if you keep up with this by the end, you will get the Merton way to meditation, uh, four tape set of meditations that will help enlighten. <laughs> no, you won't. We're not sending anything. But seriously, folks, it would be great to hear yeah. your feedback. If this is yeah. how this book is treating you, how how your experience of it is, what you're enjoying, what you're challenged by. We'd, we'd love to hear back. You can comment right on the yeah. website for the uh, you, podcast. Yeah, so you can comment on the show note. notes. Um, or if you'd rather, you can if you you can send it right to Charlie or to me if you have our emails. Or if you want one more email, you can send it to 12enough at gmail.com. And why not? That's one, two, enough, right? Uh, no, 12 is always written out. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, I am I'm not glad lazy. we clarified. 12 yeah. enough. 12 Ta- enough. Jonathan 12 has is... time to write the number. If it, I mean, does it really take that much more time? I believe in the in the MLA style guide back in the day, it used to say you write out up to seventy five. You, you're supposed to oh, write okay. the number out. That yeah. seems appropriate. Just you know, be consistent. That's the main thing. Always just be consistent in your writing. That's right. Well, shall we move to a time? Speaking of consistent, yes. I found a prayer mm-hmm. um, that is that I think speaks to the sense of of letting go of oh, submission. Uh, this one's from our friend Martin Luther. Evergreen. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know if we've had him on on this on this show before. We should get him on. We should, yeah. we should see if he's available. I'll I'll check oh, if he's sober. Dream um, interview. <laughs> yeah, Martin Luther lived from 1483 to 1546. Um, he did a whole bunch of stuff. Look him up. Yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna share. Fair enough. He's he's easily found. Yeah. Well, let's let's go to a time of prayer. Indeed. God, help us to take that step of courage 
to let go, uh, to let go and fall into you, to embrace the humility, to embrace the love, to embrace the, the desire, and then to let go of all of that. Help us to have moments of revelation, even if they are brief and small. And may we show the love that we find through you to all that we meet. Lord, I thank you for Thomas Merton, for all that he was and all that he still is. Thank you for the blessing of his writings and for this, this chance to recognize that, that the pursuit of a spiritual life, even for those who practice religion, is still possible and worthy and powerful. Bless us as we seek with him. And from Martin Luther. O my heavenly Father, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, God of all comfort, I thank you for revealing to me your dear Son, Jesus Christ, in whom I believe, whom I have preached and confessed, whom I have loved and prayed. I pray, my Lord Jesus Christ, take my soul into your hands. Heavenly Father, I know that although I will live this body and will be taken from this life, I will live with you forever and that no one can pluck me out of your hands. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Our God is the God of salvation and the Lord delivers from death. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, the God of truth. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I didn't know that prayer. I didn't either. I found that I... I thought, is this a deathbed prayer? Hmm. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's got that vibe. It's got that vibe. Yeah. I don't yeah. remember how suddenly he died and what. Oh, that's right. We can't have him on the show. Oh, right. You oh. know what I'm going to do? Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to book the the medium, Jonathan Edwards, not the great theologian, oh. one of my personal oh. favorites, but oh, instead great. that hack the medium, Jonathan Edwards, oh, we'll book him great. and get him to channel Martin Luther and that way oh, we'll I get Martin Luther. Oh, I can't wait to have him on. <laughs> oh, that'll be great. Yeah, right. <laughs> Charlie, I want you to take that enthusiasm and bottle yeah. it up. Push it down. It's overwhelming. <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, I do have enthusiasm for Thomas Merton's uh, Solitude book. It's It's been great. I'm, yeah. I am enjoying it, and uh, I look forward to the next bunch of chapters. Yeah, me too. Uh, so, folks, keep reading, and in the meantime, you know, be well, take care of each other, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. <laughs>